0: Chapter 12 of The Rebel of the School by Mrs. L. T. Mead. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 Tom Hopkins and His Way with Aunt Church It was quite true that Mrs. Hopkins could ill afford to lose so large a sum as 19 and sixpence out of her small earnings. During her husband's lifetime, the stationer's shop had gone well and provided a comfortable living for his wife son and daughter but unfortunately in an evil moment he had been induced to put his hand to a bill for a friend the friend had as usually is the case become bankrupt poor hopkins had to pay the money and from that moment the affairs in the stationer's shop were the reverse of flourishing in fact the blow killed the poor man he lingered for a time broken-hearted and unable to rouse himself and finally died about three years before the date of this story for a time mrs hopkins was quite prostrate but being a woman with a good deal of vigour and determination she induced one of her relatives to lend her one hundred pounds and determined to keep on with the shop. She could not, of course, stock it as fully as she would have liked. She could never extend her connection beyond mere stationery, sealing wax, pens, and a very few books, and Christmas cards in the winter. Still, she managed to support herself and Tom and Susie, but it was a scraping along all the time. She had to count every penny, and above all things, to avoid going in debt. She was only in debt for the one hundred pounds which had been lent to her by an aunt of her husband's, an old woman of the name of Church, who lived in the neighbouring village about four miles away. Mrs. Church was quite rich, according to the Hopkinson's ideas of wealth. She lived alone and hoarded her money she had not been at all willing to lend mrs hopkins the 100 pounds but as she had really been fond of mr hopkins and had at one time meant to make him her heir she had listened to mrs hopkins lamentations and desired her to send tom to her to inspect him and had finally handed over the money which was to be paid back by monthly installments within the space of three years mrs hopkins was so relieved to get the money that she never thought at all of the terrible tax it would be to return it still by working hard morning noon and night she added to her gains by doing fine needlework for several ladies who said that no one could embroider like mrs hopkins she managed to make two ends just neat together and she always continued to send Mrs. Church her two pounds fifteen shillings and sevenpence on the first of every month. Tom was the one who generally ran across to the old ladies with the money, and so fond was she of him that she often gave him a piece of cake, and even on one or two rare occasions kept him to dinner. Tom enjoyed his visits to Mrs. Church and Mrs. Hopkins was sure to encourage him to go to her, as she hoped against hope that when the old lady died, Tom would be left some of her money. It was on a Wednesday that Susie sat in the parlour and forgot all about the interests of the shop. It was on that very night that the tramp had come in and helped himself to a ten-shilling piece and some silver out of the till, and it was on the following Saturday that Mrs. Hopkins, for the first time since she had borrowed the hundred-pounds from Aunt Church, as she called the old lady, found that she could not return even a portion of what had just fallen due. She called Tom to her side. "'Tom,' she said, "'you must go and see Aunt Church this afternoon, as soon as ever you come in. You must go, and you must tell her.' "'Of course I'll go, mother.' answered the boy. I always like going to Aunt Church's. She is very kind to me. She said next time I came along she'd show me things in her microscope. She has got a beetle's wing, mother, mounted on glass, and when you gaze down at it, it seems to be covered with beautiful feathers as long as though they were on a big bird. And she has got a drop of water full of wriggling things all alive and she says we drink it by the gallon and it is no wonder we feel bad in our insides i'll go right enough i suppose you have the money ready no tom that's just what i have not got i told you how that night when i had the misfortune to go and see your aunt and look after her sick child someone came into the shop and stole nineteen and sixpence out of the till i am so short from the loss of that money that i can't pay aunt church for at least another week ask her if she'll be kind enough to give me a week's grace tom that's a good boy i can't think how the money was stolen why did you put it in the hands of the police said tom why tom said his mother looking at him with admiration you are a smart boy do you know i never thought of that i will go round to the police station this very afternoon and get police constable mccartney to take it up but mother the thief whoever he is has left the place long before now the money was stolen on wednesday and this is saturday morning well tom there's no saying anyhow i will go round to the police station and lodge the information accordingly while susie was again trying on her lovely pale blue cashmere blouse behind locked doors upstairs tom and his mother were plotting how best to cover the loss of the nineteen and sixpence naughty susie having made up her mind to deny herself a frock and new boots had given the matter no further consideration she was accustomed to the fact that her mother was always in money difficulties as long as she could remember this was the state of things at home she had come to the conclusion that grown-up persons were always in a frantic state about money and she had no desire to join these anxious ones herself as she could not mend matters She did not see why she should worry about them. Tom had a scrap of dinner and then ran off to see Aunt Church. He found the old lady sitting at her parlour window, looking out as usual for him. She was dressed in rusty black. She had a front of stiff curls on her forehead, a white widow's cap over it, and a small black crepe handkerchief crossed on her breast. Mrs. Church was a little woman. She had very tiny feet and hands, and was very proud of them. She never thought of buying any new clothes, and her black promising dress was more brown than black now. So was her shawl, and so was the handkerchief which she wore round her neck. Her cap was tied with ribbons, which had been washed so often that they were no longer white but yellow she came to the door to greet tom when he arrived and called him in ah oh, tom she said i have got a piece of plum cake waiting for you and if you are a really good boy and will shoo the fowls into my backyard and shut the gate on them you may look into my microscope thank you aunt church said tom i shall go at once and shoo the fowls you had best give me my money first. Here is the box. You drop it in. Two pounds in gold. I hope to goodness your mother has sent the money in gold. Two pounds in gold and the rest in silver. Now then, here is the box. Drop it in like a good child and then you shall shoe the fowls and have your plum-cake and look in the microscope. But, Aunt Church, said Tom, he planted himself right in front of the old lady he was a tall boy well set up with a sandy head and a face covered with freckles he had rather shallow blue eyes and a wide mouth but his whole expression was honest and full of fun i am desperately sorry and so is mother eh what said the old lady she put her hand to her ear i am a bit hard of hearing my dear come close to me mother's awfully sorry but she can't pay you to-day oh said mrs church can't pay me to-day but it is the first of the month and she was never behindhand i will say that in her payments before she's fretting past bearing said tom she'd give all the world to be able to pay you up but she ain't got the money and that's a fact we have had a robbery in the shop Aunt church and mother has took on dreadful a burglary said mrs church now tell me all about it stand here and pour your words into my ear i am very much interested about burglaries was there attempted murder speak up boy speak up tom quite longed to say that there was he had been able to assure mrs church that burglars with masks on their faces had burst into the shop at dead of night and penetrated to his mother's bedroom and had held pistols to her throat and susy's throat and a great fair glittering knife to his and had he been further able to tell her that he himself unaided had grappled with the enemy had wrestled the knife from the hand of one and knocked the loaded pistols from the hands of the others then indeed he would have felt himself a hero and the mere fact of not being able to return the money on the appointed day would not have signified but tom was truthful and he had but a lame story to tell nineteen and sixpence had been abstracted from the till nobody knew how it had been done and nobody had the least idea who was the thief mrs church who would have given her niece unlimited time to return the money had there been a real proper bloodthirsty burglary was not at all inclined to show mercy when the affair dwindled down into an unknown thief. Taking a small sum of money out of the till, why didn't you get it back? She said, Why didn't you send for the police? My word, this is a nice state of things, and me to be out of my money that I counted up. Why, Tom boy, I spend that money on my food, rent, and the little expenses I have to go to. I made up my mind when I drew that hundred pounds from my dear husband's hard-earned savings that whatever happened i'd make that sum last me for all expenses for three years and i have done it tom i have done it and am in low water tom i want the money i want it just as much as your poor mother does but you have money in the bank haven't you that is no affair of yours tom hopkins don't talk in that silly way to me no i don't want you to shoe the fowls in the yard and i don't mean to give you any plum-cake i shall have to eat it myself for i have no money to buy anything else and i won't show you the beautiful wings of the beetle in the microscope you can go home to your mother and tell her i am very much annoyed indeed but aunt church said tom if you were to see poor mother you wouldn't blame her she looks oh." so thin and so tired she's terribly unhappy and she will be certain sure to pay you next week it was silly of her i will own not to think of the police sooner but she's gone to them to-day ordered by me to do that same that was thoughtful enough of you tom and i don't object to giving you a morsel of the stainless cake i always keep three cakes in three tin boxes and you can have a morsel of the stalist. it is more than two months old but you won't mind that not me said tom i like stale cakes best he added determined to show his aunt that he was ready to be pleased with everything he was a very knowing boy and spoke up so well and was so evidently sorry himself and so positive that as soon as ever the police were told they would simply lay their hands on the thief and the thief would disgorge his boils and aunt church was fain to believe him in the end she made a compact i'll tell you what it is he said you haven't been to see mother for a long time and if you ain't got any money to buy a dinner for yourself it is but fair that you should have a slice off our sunday joint Sunday joint indeed snapped mrs church you couldn't expect us not to have a bit of sunday meat on sunday said tom why we'd get so weak that mother couldn't earn the money she sends you every month and you couldn't do your lessons and be the fine big boy that i am proud of said mrs church now to tell the truth i can't bear that sister of yours susie you call her but i have a liking for you tom hopkins what is it you want me to do if you will let me come here to-morrow i'll push you all the way to maryfield in time for our dinner wouldn't you like that and i'll bring you back again in the evening there's your own old bath chair that uncle church used to be move about in before he died to be sure there is said mrs church her eyes brightening but the lining has got moth-eaten who minds that said tom i'll go and clean it after you have given me that bit of cake you promised me everything ended quite satisfactorily as far as tom was concerned for mrs church forgot her anger in the interest that the boy's visit gave her she consulted him about her fowls and gave him a new-laid egg to slip into his pocket for his own supper later on she allowed him to munch some very poor and very stale plum-cake finally she gave him his heart's delight for he was allowed to peer into the old microscope and revel in the sight of the beetle's wings with thin sweeping plumes as he afterwards described them it was rather late when tom returned home he burst into the parlour where his mother and susie were sitting mother he said i have done everything splendidly and she's coming to dine with us to-morrow she's what said mrs hopkins aunt church is coming to dine with us she was mad about the money and nobody could have been nastier than she might have turned out but for me but all it's all right now we must have a nice dinner for her she is very fond of good things and as she never gives them to herself she will enjoy ours all the more she'll think that I am rich when I am as poor as a church mouse said mrs hopkins but i suppose you have done everything for the best tom and i must go around to the butcher's for a little addition to the dinner mrs hopkins left the house and tom sank into a chair by his sister it's goloptious for me he said she's taking no end of a fancy to me see this egg she gave it to me for my supper mother shall have it mother is looking very white about the gills and a new egg leg that she hasn't to pay for will nourish her up like anything so it will said susie we'll boil it and say nothing about it and just pop it on her plate when she's having her supper all the same tom I wish you hadn't asked old aunt Church here. She is such a queer old body, and the neighbors sometimes drop in on Sundays. And I have asked Miss Kathleen O'Hara to come in to-morrow, and she has promised to. What said Tom, that grand beauty of a young lady, the pride of the school? Why, everybody is talking about her. At the boys' school, we've caught sight of her and there isn't a boy that hasn't fallen in love with her they all slink behind the wall and bob up as she comes by you don't mean that she's coming here yes why not she's very fond of me but she's no end of a howler they say she's worth her weight in gold and that her father is a sort of king in ireland why should she take up with a little girl like you well tom some people like me although you think but a little of your sister kathleen is very fond of me i invited her to have tea with us to-morrow and she is coming my word said tom to think that i shall be sitting at the same table with her i'll be able to make my own terms now with john short and harry reed and the rest of the chaps why susie you must be a genius and i thought you weren't much of a sort i am better than you think and she is fond of me and you really and truly call her by her christian name of course i do susie longed to tell tom about the wonderful society but its strictest rule was that it was never to be spoken about to outsiders susie as a member of the cabinet must certainly be one of the last to break the rules mrs hopkins came back at that moment she had added a pound of sausages and a little piece of pork to the usual sunday fare she had also brought six pennyworth of apples with her these are to make a pudding she said i think we shall do now very well susy and tom quite agreed with their mother susy rose and prepared supper and at the crucial moment the new-laid egg was laid on mrs Hopkins' plate it takes perhaps a great deal of poverty to truly appreciate a new-laid egg mrs hopkins was delighted with hers she thought on the noblest boy in the world for having denied himself in order to give it to her tears filled her tired eyes as she thanked god for her good children susy and tom watched her as she ate the egg and thought how delicious it must taste but were glad she had it the following day dawned bright and clear with a suspicion of frost in the air it was as tom expressed it a perfect day susy went to church with her mother in the morning the dinner being all prepared and left to cook itself in the oven tom started at about eleven o'clock on his walk to the tiny village where mrs church lived as soon as susie returned from her place of worship she helped her mother to get the little parlour ready she put some autumn leaves in a jug on the centre of the table her mother brought out the best china which had not been used since her husband's death the best china was very pretty and susie thought that no table look more elegant than theirs the best china was accompanied by some quite good knives and forks the forks were real silver mrs hopkins regarded them with pride if the worst the very worst comes she said to susie we can sell them but i cling to them as a piece of respectability but i never want to part from your dear father gave them to me on our wedding day a whole dozen of beautiful silver forks with the hallmark on them and his initials on the hand of each i want them to be tom's some day silver should always be handed on to the eldest son susy felt that she was almost worthy of kathleen's friendship as she regarded the silver forks you must never part with them mother she said until tom is married then of course they will belong to him you are a good little girl susie said her mother of course there was never a boy like tom it was sweet of him to give up his egg to me last night having seen that the table was in perfect order and that dinner was cooking as well as dinner could in the oven mrs hopkins went upstairs to put on a lace collar and a neat black silk apron meanwhile Susie had locked herself into her own room. The crowning moment of her life had arrived. She had made up her mind that she would wear her new blouse at dinner that day. Susie's stockings were coarse and showed darns here and there. Susie's shoes were rough and could not altogether hide the disfiguring patches on the toes of each. Susie's skirt was dark blue serge, fairly neat in its way. Altogether, Susy, from her waist down, was a very ordinary little girl. the little daughter of poor people, but from her waist up, she was resplendent. Oh, if only I could show my sweet, sweet little badge, she thought, it would make me perfect. But I daren't. The Queen commands that it should be hidden, and the Queen's commands must be obeyed susy slipped into her blouse she fastened it and put her belt round her waist she curtsied before her little glass she bobbed here she bobbed there she looked at herself front view then over her shoulder then with a morsel of glass at her back she surveyed herself as far as the limited accommodation of her room afforded from every point of view finally with flushed cheeks and a very proud expression on her face she tripped downstairs the pale blue cashmere blouse with its real lace and embroidered trimmings might have been worn by any girl even in the highest station of life mrs hopkins was busy in the kitchen she called to susie come and hold the vegetable dish child i hear tom pushing aunt church in at the gate i know he is doing it by the creak of the bath chair there never was a bath chair that creaked like that hold this while i- why sakes alive susie wherever did you get that oh it's my new blouse mother your new what what you see mother my new blouse don't you admire it mrs hopkins was so stunned that she could not speak for a moment her face which had been quite florid turned pale she suddenly put up her hand and caught susy by the arm oh mother don't said the little girl your hand isn't clean oh you have made a stain oh mother how could you run upstairs at once child and take it off for the life of you don't let her see it she'd never forgive me it isn't fit for you susy it really isn't wherever did you get it from where did you buy it now susie had really no intention of making a secret with regard to the blouse she meant to tell her mother frankly that it was a present from miss Kathleen O'Hara. but mrs Hopkins's manner and words put the little girl into a passion and she was determined now not to say a word it is my secret she said i won't tell you how i got it nor who gave it to me and i won't take it off Just then there were voices, and Aunt Church called out, "'Where are you, Mary Hopkins? Why don't you show yourself? "'Fussing over fine living, I suppose. "'Oh, there is your daughter. My word! Fine feathers make fine birds. "'Come over and speak to me, my dear, and help me out of this chair. "'Now then, give me your hand. Be quick.' Susie put out her hand and helped Mrs. Church as well as she could out of the bath chair. Tom winked when he saw the splendid apparition. Then he stuck his tongue into his cheek, and coming close to his sister, he whispered, "'Wherever did you get that toggery?' "'That's nothing to you,' said Susie. Mrs. Church glanced over her shoulder and looked solemnly at Susie. "'It's my opinion,' she said, speaking in a slow, empathetic, rather awful voice that you are a very, very bad little girl. You will come to no good. Mark my words. I prophesy a bad end for you and trouble for your unfortunate mother. You will remember my words when the prophecy comes true. Help me now into the parlor. I cannot stay long, but I will have a morsel of your grand dinner before I leave. End of chapter 12